Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is based on one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That question stopped me in my tracks and led me into a deep dive of the history of my faith. Well, I came out reading about the Catholic Church for the first time in the Catholic Church's own words. It was then that I realized that what I thought I knew about Catholics and what they believed was based on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, this very podcast serves to fill in that same gap. The gap between what do you think Catholics believe, what we do, what we practice, and what we, we actually do <laughs> in reality to fill in that gap. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, we are unpacking parish and the parish life and what a Catholic parish is all about with my guest, my friend, Shannon Whip-Schmidt. She is the Parish Vitality Coordinator for the Archdiocese of Chicago, an author and a wonderful human being. And we're here to talk about, for those non-Catholic Christians, for those new Catholics, a crash course on parish life. What is the Catholic parish all about? How is it different from an evangelical church? How is it similar? How is its center and, and focus and the paradigm that, that it works through going to differ for those who are coming into the Catholic parish and expecting a certain thing and, and finding something else? And how do we, as, as lay Catholics, work with, with priests, work with staff to revitalize those parishes, get involved in those parishes, have to grow those parishes? And what do we do if we don't find a parish that works for us? It's a fantastic conversation with all kinds of incredible insights from Shannon that really, I think, will, will help to answer questions that I get on this show all the time from new Catholics who are, who are looking at joining a parish and kind of going, well, what's going on there? Hopefully this helps. I hope that it does. This conversation is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. If you want to support the show, if you feel called, feel led to do those things, head over to those links that are in the show notes and help to support this show to help it keep going and growing week after week. And thank you to those who are already faithfully supporting this show. You guys, <laughs> that's incredible. So thank you. Now, without any further ado, my conversation with Shannon Schmidt on the a crash course to the Catholic parish. What's going on? What does it mean? How to get involved and how to figure it all out. <laughs> it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, thanks for being here, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, welcome back to the show. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you, hello, make sure you subscribe to the channel, uh, like the video, leave some comments, interact, love that kind of thing. If you're if you're listening on podcast, thank you, follow the show, uh, please if you can, leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and please tell all of your friends about this wonderful show and this great conversation that you are about to hear. I am joined... Uh, 
uh, once again on the show by uh, Shannon Whip Schmidt. She is a parish vitality coordinator for the Archdiocese of Chicago, co-host of the Plaid Skirts and Basic Black podcast, and author of the fantastic book Fat Luther Slim Pickens from Ave Maria Press. She lives in Chicago land with her husband Eric and their four children. Shannon, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here and hello. Thanks. It's so good to be back. I was like delighted when I realized I had to jump on this call. So I, I'm, <laughs> so I'm glad you're Thank you for realizing me. Yeah, thank you for remembering that. Uh, many guests don't these days, so I appreciate your punctuality <laughs> and your attention to your, to your calendar. And uh, to have you back is wonderful. We had a great chat last time on the show, uh, and I was looking for an excuse, I think, to have you back. And so this is perfect in this newish or newer role for you, at least now, uh, in a brand new place. Chicago land. Is that like is that like the Disneyland of Chicago? I, for me, this I, is. I wish um, it's the metro area. That's what it's referred okay. to as. So it's kind of cool. Um, you know, like I, I always find that ironic. Like you're like someone from Chicago is a Chicago win. Like there's not like there's no great way to like make Chicago a. a Anglo word. I mean, it's not so. <laughs> oh, well, for non for non Canadians, if you're anywhere within four hours of Toronto, you're from Toronto, pretty exactly, much. So, exactly. and then when you meet the Canadian, you go, "Oh no, no, oh, I'm from Halbert. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's four hours north of Toronto, but you can still say Toronto because that's that's what it is. So, I I love that. Okay, this is a very fun topic for me to talk about. At least well, because I love I'm I love. The, I love parish-ish topics. I yeah. I worked for a bit. I shouldn't say worked. I was on a committee for a bit at a parish that was involved in the kind of the parish renewal stuff. I mm-hmm. had to go to a few huge, big, cool parish renewal conferences where there was like a thousand priests yeah. in the room and a couple of parish teams. And I was I was the minority. Yes. I was the minority in a, in a room. This giant hotel conference in, in in Detroit one year, and I was the minority in the room, not being a priest. It was amazing. A thousand wow. people in attendance. It was an incredible, incredible conference. Mm-hmm. So I love these kind of of, of topics. And for this show in particular, I'm thinking of, because again, this is one of those, uh, those podcasts in answer to a question. And one of the questions mm-hmm. that I get a lot of time from listeners to this show who are looking into the Catholic faith or who are new Catholics is what's going on in the parishes, <laughs> right? In, the, in not, not, yeah, not in so many words, <laughs> because a lot of these people, and, and my wife and I had the same experience, right? We, we came from this background of a non-denominational evangelical church that mm-hmm. has a lot of things going on, right? Mm-hmm. Most of them have, most large, I mean, even smallish ones. I mean, I think we had about 200 to 500 people in our congregation, depending on when you asked. Even for us, we had a, a full-time staff of four or five people on mm-hmm. staff of that church. We had a full-time children's minister. We had a full-time kind of small group person, small uh, a full-time, like a, the worship leader. Yeah, you know, he had a, a 30-hour work week, but that was basically a full-time job that he would yeah. he would plan music for the week ahead and practice with the band. And you move from these kind of, these organizations that mm-hmm. evangelical churches are to a Catholic parish. And it's often a very big culture shock. One of the biggest mm-hmm. culture shocks for somebody becoming Catholic is parish life in many cases looks different. I had two weeks ago now we talked about about kids in at mass, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the fact that it, it's different in the Catholic Church. You know, the expectation in, in an evangelical church is there's children's ministry, Sunday school. Your kids go, mm-hmm. they're gone the whole time, they come back at the end, you pick mm-hmm. them up, that's it. Well, the, the mentality in, in mass is different for, for somebody. Yeah. The, the kids are meant to be part of that. Like they're they're that you want to have them experience sacrifice of the mass and, and all this. But just the parish in general, the parish life is is different. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I 
I'm not sure where to take my first question here to say what's going on, but I, I guess in a sense, like, can we sketch out the idea of what a parish is intended mm-hmm. to be for for the Catholic, just to give people listening that kind of baseline expectation? Is, is that a weird question to ask? No, I think that's a great question, actually. That was like kind of where I was thinking I might lead to yeah. in answering the broader <laughs> yeah. question, right? Um, so I think what's really important to remember is that a, a parish in a Catholic mindset is the place in which the church is present in the local community. So the universal church, the big C church, like united to the Pope is present in a real place in a real time. Um, and it is meant to bring the presence of Christ to that community, whether that's through evangelization, through charity and service, through um, formation that we're, we're sort of growing in our own pathway of discipleship. Um, and of course, most importantly, to celebrate the mass, to have the sacraments available to people. Um, and so it is the place where the body of Christ comes together uh, to be together, to uh, have fellowship, but also then to be the presence of Christ in their local community. And so for the Catholic Church, the primary unit, so to speak, of the church is the parish. Um, so you know, you may have a parish that looks a lot like an evangelical church that has staff and all of those things going on, uh, but it may look differently. I lived in a s- smaller rural town for a while, and our parish wasn't the same as when I lived in a huge suburb when we had 10,000 people in our parish. Um, but it met the needs of our community, right? That's that's the primary thing I think that's really important is that Um, when we're talking about how does the church, big C church, respond to the needs of a community, respond to the needs of people, it is primarily through the parish. Um, And it's most effective that way, right? Because if you think about it, let's say, um, let's take our rural community for Uh, For instance, let's say that there is a big fire that wipes out half the town. Like, it's going to be really hard for like that message to go up the chain of command, like to the bishop, right? Perhaps, <laughs> um, but or even the Pope, right? Like if you think about the big, the big picture. Uh, but the people in that community can respond with the love of Christ immediately, um, and so it, it it really is the living out of a big fancy Catholic word, the principle of subsidiarity, um, subsidiarity that basically means that we try to address problems. We try to do um, outreach, evangelization, whatever it is, at the lowest level possible, the most local possible. And we only go up the chain if we need to. Um, I think we see that if you read any Pope Francis, you see that a lot in what he writes. He's like, let the bishops decide this. Your bishop should do that, right? Um And I think a lot of people, especially coming from an evangelical background, think of the church as sort of like a like a Jesus corporation. right? Like we have little different, um, you know, they're not church plants in the sense of like it's going to be 
um, you know, let's make up a church, um, North Point Christian Church, North <laughs> North Point Christian Church, that's, that's you know, East, one. whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> if that's your real church name. I apologize. <laughs> it's kind of vague. Um, so we're not we're not franchising, right? Uh, we are literally saying like, here comes the body of Christ into this space. And what that looks like is going to be different depending on who's in that community, who makes up the parish, what their needs are. Um, and it's focused on the local uh, first. That's It's interesting because it's also, I mean, in, in the same way that St. Evangelical Church, they're part of the denomination and these churches are all, uh, you know, essentially, the, the I do the corporate point is very interesting because it is very much that that sense in a way. There's these kind of branches of this denomination. the The Catholic Church is, in a sense, united differently all across the world, but 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 different locally, like responding to different needs, kind of locally, rather than I'm thinking of this model of of kind of a mega church of like satellite campuses, mm-hmm. right? This is a phenomenon uh, my family go to, a sat- my, my parents, my siblings who are, who are evangelical Christians go to these kind of satellite churches in their, in their area. And it all feeds from one church. There's literally screens and live feed of, mm-hmm. of that sermon. There's local, you know, and, and their best friends are actually local in that church there. There's a local, like a body of Christ, like a bunch of Christians gathering, mm-hmm. but it all feeds back to the exact same kind of message across these these, these campuses, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church is, in a sense, more united than that because we're global, mm-hmm. but, but from parish to parish, we're very di- we're very different yes. than that, right? Very very unique. I, I experienced that, I tell the story before in the podcast, firsthand when I wanted to become Catholic and I called out the, the closest Catholic Church to, to our house, not assuming, assuming, Shannon, that they were all the same. I, I thought, yeah. oh, Catholic Church, mm-hmm. I hadn't been to a mass, I had never been inside a Catholic <laughs> church, but I wanted to become Catholic after reading and, and watching videos online and, and doing mm-hmm. two years of RCAA online through Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Plymouth Michigan, Father John mm-hmm. Ricardo, fantastic priest, wonderful program. I did it all online because he had it on, on YouTube back yeah. then. And I loved it, and I called this church up, and Beautiful church. I, I went there and I met this religious sister, this nun who ran the program, was fantastic. And it wasn't until she wheeled out the the TV on the cart with the VCR <laughs> in in 2014. Yeah. Right? So this was this wasn't the, the age of the VCR any, mm-hmm. any longer. That I realized that maybe I made a mistake and I shouldn't I should have maybe looked around for for a, a, a bit different church. But but that's an interesting animal, right? Mm-hmm. Be, because. You, you don't have all parishes created equally, mm-hmm. even though the Catholic Church is is this, is this united, un, universal mm-hmm. thing, right? You, you are going to get differences, not in the, not in the Mass writ large. Mm-hmm. The liturgy should be the same. That's a whole mm-hmm. other, other, other issue, mm-hmm. but maybe. But you'll get various kinds of, of things happening at various parishes, depending on, I guess you could say, kind of that, that population too, right? This was a... A, a pretty elderly church population, mm-hmm. an elderly priest. Uh, the VCR was probably the new thing, on the <laughs> block, right? <laughs> I love that so much. And like, there's some of me that still delights in that. It's yeah. like, you know what? Like that that feels very Catholic to me. But also, um, I think an important piece of the puzzle that um like differentiates in some sense from that idea of like satellite churches is that um as you said what unites us is our belief and our ritual um 
and that for for us to celebrate the mass, the mass is an act of worship and it is a ritual in which we participate and which our participation is necessary. Right. Like it can't um, you can't just sort of put it on a screen and have it be the same. It requires us being present and active and participating. Um And I want to say this, like, in a sense, like, we don't think it's like magic, right? Like, if we just show up and do these actions, then like, God will grant the thing that we ask, right? But that, um, in the very real sense that we also understand sacraments, that through these actions, God's grace is made present to us in a way that it can't be made present any other way. Uh, That's not to say God's grace isn't present to us in many, many ways and in many, many places, but rather that that grace is made real and active in our lives through that ritual. And so, you know, that is where the unity is. And in many ways, the way that we understand spirituality is that like through that, being united through that ritual, through our belief, through our shared, you know, scriptures and readings and those kinds of things, then God works in our own lives to make us active in the world around us. And so it doesn't look the same because the people in that community don't look the same as the people halfway across the globe or even maybe five miles down the road. Um, That's not to say it's it's literally my job to like worry about parishes. (laughs) (laughs) That's not to say that like many parishes couldn't be improved or there are things that like we need to maybe think about um, as a, as an entire Catholic church, you know, I'm in America. So, uh, we, you know, are, are vast and wide country, <laughs> um, with many different points of views you have, it's close. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like the church in Chicago is not the same as the church in, uh, Mobile, Alabama and so, et cetera, et cetera. And so, right. There's, there's only so much quote unquote standardization we can do, um, but I think that's, it's probably the key difference, um, and that part of our call as Catholics, those of us who are Catholic is not always necessarily to find the church that fits us. Although like, it is very important that we get something out of, uh, our parishes. Like we want to grow in our discipleship and continue in our relationship with the Lord and be fed in that. That's very important. But right the sort of like model that we still operate from and it's um you know i think important for understanding like what a parish is is that like if you live in a certain area a parish serves that geographical area so the pastor is in charge of and responsible for the spiritual lives of every person who lives in that geographical boundary whether they're catholic or not whether they're christian or not um So like, that's why you'll hear a lot of priests talking about things like, oh, I'm responsible for this hospital or that um, nursing home or whatever, like there it's in their geographical area. So therefore they are responsible for the spiritual lives of everyone in that area. Um, now that's a big task for like one priest in some cases, right? Like five city blocks could be a lot of people depending on where you live. Um, so, so they need partners in that, uh, partners in that through laity and deacons and all those sorts of things. Um, but for a Catholic, uh, you know, the traditionally our ideas that like I moved to this new town 
this is the parish in which I reside. And so that's where I go to church, whether or not I like the pastor's preaching, whether or not it has the programming I'm looking for, whether we might be the only young family within a 20 mile radius, right? Whatever that is. Um, and so the, the goal is to build community of believers um, outside of our preferences, yeah. right? That, um, that I am called to the community, not to myself first, if that makes sense. Um, and again, that's not to undercut the importance of our own spiritual development and our own walk with the Lord. But um, one thing I always say about religion in general and the Catholic Church in particular is that the church calls us outside of our own inclinations. Yeah and asks us to consider more, to be more, and to grow in our relationship in a way that doesn't make us feel comfortable. You know, I always joke, and this is in our book, um, you know, that you probably read keep, <laughs> but um, I always joke that I hate Lent. Like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I am a resurrection type person. I'm an Easter type person. I want it to be celebrating the resurrection and the joy of that. Um, but the beauty of Lent is that it, it sort of, goes against my natural spiritual inclination, my natural spirituality, and invites me to not skip over the hard parts, to not skip over the crucifixion. Um, and I think at its core, like that is part of what the parish is too, is that God is calling us to a particular community. He's calling us and attracting us to a particular place and living out our faith in a particular place and time with these people, whether or not we like them or not, whether or not we agree with them or not, whether or not um, we are fed by it or not in some sense, uh, because that is where God's people are. And that's where those who want to be with the Lord need to be. Right? Uh, that's a really Catholic understanding of the world is that my relationship is not just me and God, but it's me and God and God's people. Yeah. And if I'm not connected to God's people, then ultimately I'm not in relationship with God, right? God's covenant is lived out in community. And so to be a part of the covenant, I need to be in community. <laughs> that's a very good word. I forgot how much I like talking to you. I remember, I knew I liked talking to you. I forgot how much I <laughs> enjoy our conversations that's gosh that's good stuff i mean first of all that because that is like that is the catholic ethos right in the same way that that becoming catholic i submit to the church and all that mm. the church teaches and i don't it doesn't give a rip what i what i think like the, the church is <laughs> yes. the church is the church regardless of, 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 of my opinions on on the blessed virgin mary and mm -hmm. the certain apparition or, or something and whether i you know, subscribe fully to this dogma or, or I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Like the church doesn't care. The church just is, this is what we believe. This is what, what Christ handed on to us, what the apostles taught we passed on. This is what the magisterium has decided. This is what we believe, right? The, and mm -hmm. the church doesn't, doesn't care what I think. Mm -hmm. It's not going to do serve. It's not going to, well, I mean, I don't know. On certain things, it, it might do surveys, but <laughs> it's not going to change, you know, in, in the way that, in the way that when, and this is always funny for us now, my wife and I, as, as, as Catholics, when our evangelical friends or family are, are looking for a new church, right? Mm -hmm. It's always a, a very weird, like, because we were there, 
Mm-hmm. We, we did the same thing. But here's someone go, oh yeah, I went to this church. And, like I didn't like their children's programming or didn't, you know, the music wasn't that great. So we we're trying a different one this Sunday or the, the pastor, I didn't really, didn't really speak to me. So I'm going to try this one over here instead. And it's this weird thing of you're imposing what you want on that church, mm-hmm. looking for the church that, that fits you mm-hmm. the best, right? But as you say, the whole Catholic ethos is completely different. It's the, it's the opposite, right? You're, you're submitting to the teaching of the church, becoming Catholic. You're submitting to the parish that you're at, right? And saying, okay, mm-hmm. God, you put, you've put me here. That uncomfortableness, the awkwardness, the guy that you don't really like at all, who just sits behind you and every, every single week after week just rubs you the wrong way, all right? Or, or probably the lady behind, actually the lady in the front who turns around and gives you, gives you the bad look is probably the one mm. who bothers you, bothers you more. Especially if your kids are acting Please don't, yeah. please don't yeah. do that don't to do anyone. That. I know like probably your listeners don't because <laughs> they're not raising them, but they don't, I don't like know. it. <laughs> some, of those, I, some of the emails that I get, they're giving me that stink guy. Uh, yeah. But you know, that's such a different, and I just want to underscore that, what you said, that's such a different concept. And that mm-hmm. is such a Catholic concept. Even the way in the Mass that we confess to one another as part of the Mass, mm-hmm. right? The penitential right. I, that always struck me as, a, as one of the first things that struck me in the Mass as a convert was we are corporately confessing our sin to one another yeah. and asking one another to, to pray for each other. Like that's, yeah. that right there is a picture of the Catholic Church, right? Yep. And, and writ large and, and the parish, right? It's that mm-hmm. we're in this together, here to build this thing up in in this community oh that's, that's, I, I love yeah. that I love that <laughs> yeah and um you know that's not to say that like Catholics don't parish shop we do like if you're in a big city yeah, and yeah. you live five miles like you're between three different churches then like people do that all the time and and it's also not to say that like you should go to a place where you feel othered or you feel unwelcome yeah, or anything yeah. like that right but um but rather I think, especially for like the, those of us like myself who are cradle Catholics, like we often think like, well, I'm just going to go where I want without remembering that in fact, like we're called to each other. Um, I remember reading once a book, probably in grad school that was like, you know, um, the parish is like the wackiest place you could think of, right? Like where do, and for, for Americans, where do Democrats sit next to Republicans and like agree on something, right? Um, uh, and I'm sure our Canadian friends see that from the outside, but, um, or, you know, like where does the single mom sit next to, you know, the, the 80 year old um, grandfather of 10, it, it, so we don't have many institutions like that in our lives. And um, the church is that for us, and especially in a Catholic sense of parish, because that's where we're united. That for me was my very first experience of mass. My very poor Catholic friend, James, who wasn't a very good Catholic at all. In, in the end, <laughs> lovely guy. I, I love him. Sorry, James, if you're listening. <laughs> he took me to mass at, on our on our college campus. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I didn't know that existed. It was, it was a thing, which was awesome to go there. And I was struck right away by this crazy noonday, on a Wednesday mass, a mom by by herself with five kids in tow, professors, old, older folks, called you know students our age. It was this crazy and all kinds of different backgrounds and ethnicities and and socioeconomic statuses. You know, it, it was this crazy hodgepodge of of people from different places. And 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 I I was like, what this is. 
it's a you know it was crazy. We we had you know we we came from a very homogenous evangelical church mm-hmm. that that yeah it had some students it had families of different origins. Uh, you know we're we're, we're this is Canada in a mid sized city so there's all kinds of different people from different places in the world who've come here to live here. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was diverse. But at the same time, it was very it was very plain. Everyone was kind of in the same middle class kind of boat, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to mass the first time, and it was just just such a different experience. And I couldn't believe that people would would be there at noon on a Wednesday, and all these different kinds of people. That mm-hmm. that was shocking to me, to think that that is that is an important part of of my spiritual journey, being part mm-hmm. of a parish that just draws people from everywhere, not a, not just a homogenous people that I have kind of set up to be in my group here. Like we're this, we're this very type kind of church and we're all, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's a very different thing. Very, very mm-hmm. different thing than the experience in a non-Catholic Christian church by and large, not Absolutely. to, not to overgeneralize, but yeah. For the, for the yeah. Most part. And I'm going to try to say this because I have many close friends who are, uh, you know, Protestant, evangelical, like many different denominations. So I don't want to um, minimalize, I think, what is important about the experience of Protestant Christianity. But one thing that always struck me as a Catholic kind of looking from the outside, um, you know, is in some ways, uh, and I'm a like... I, I have a deep understanding for, for like Martin Luther, for the reformers, um, for people like Calvin and um, Stingley. And like, I understand so much of what they were saying about the church and, and the church did need reformation. You know, like we had what's called the counter reformation or the Catholic reformation, like that it did need a renewal from inside. Um, but one of the things that always struck me is that like, as you see the split in in the 1500s, not only like the many, many branches that um, grew from the tree, so to speak, uh, um, and from that split between in the Western church, but also that um, it is easy, uh, in some sense, easier as a Protestant to self-select into a group and to exclude, you know, as a um, African-American woman, a biracial African-American woman, I can tell many stories of how African-Americans were excluded from Protestant and Catholic churches and denominations because of their skin color, right? That's the whole founding of what is now called the seven denominations we call the Black Church in America. So, um African Methodist, Episcopal, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, and in some sense, when we look at our, our global picture of how we in the West often have become so um, polarized and so removed from each other, um, the the church self-selection, the church shopping, both in Protestant and Catholic churches has, has exacerbated that. And it's not, um, again, it's not to say that like, that's the normal way of, of practicing Christianity. Right. But that, um, I think that is one of the things that a parish model tries to combat, right. Is uh, that, you don't get to pick <laughs> who you are around. Um, and again, 
uh, Catholics are just as guilty of that as, as anyone else. Uh, so it's not like, oh, we're, um, so much better. We're not. (laughs) Um, but especially when we talk about things like racial division, right. Um, the, uh, you know, I think it was Martin Luther King who said like the, the most divided time in America is Sunday morning at church. Um, and that's still true. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that's one thing I appreciate about the parish is that like, it does force me to confront the other in front of me and to not ignore, um, the people that I could otherwise kind of like work my life around. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very well said. So I want to talk about a bit of a, I don't want to shift too hard to the right, but I I want to talk about the idea of, okay, so I'm a new Catholic. I'm getting to attend mass. Now I've done the RCA program. I've I've done the whole thing. And hopefully in that program, a person's getting plugged into the parish as part of that program. But imagine now somebody goes, okay, so kind of, now what? Where's my place in that parish? Because I think the mentality for a lot of, of at least for for my thinking, as someone coming from an evangelical background, is to get involved because we were we were disciples, right? And I'm I'm heavily grateful. I, I owe a lot to Sherry Waddell's Intentional Disciples book and, and her work on this. Yes. That that kind of as a, as a convert, I went okay. This is a conversation happening in the Catholic Church. This uh-huh. idea of disciples does actually exist in the Catholic Church. I, I'm happy to hear this <laughs> because. I met a lot of Catholics who, okay, I'm Catholic. I go to Mass every every Sunday. I go to confession once in a while. I, I do different, I do Catholic things. I go to, I go to baptisms. I go to Catholic funerals of people that, that, that die. And that was kind of it. And I always, as an evangelical, the thinking is, well, how am I getting plugged in? How am I mm-hmm. actually doing discipleship, following Christ more than just going to church on a Sunday, because there always mm-hmm. was that. There always was that. Okay, so so what else? Like there was Absolutely. Sunday was the was the baseline for mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. That was the bare minimum. But you were expected to do more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture reading, Bible studies, like getting getting involved in things, helping to run ministries and stuff. So the 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 culture shock sometimes, depending on the parish, but I think more often than not, for mm-hmm. somebody joining the Catholic Church is okay. So now what? What can I do to to grow? beyond just going to church on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to a person who's approaching a parish from that kind of perspective? Wondering kind of what, what next? Yeah. So this is quite literally my job to worry about these sorts of things. <laughs> so like, I'm like, yeah, I actually have thought a lot about this. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the, one piece of that is that we as Catholics actually need to do a lot better at that. We are sure, not very yeah. good at it in general. Um and, and part of that is because our culture, Western culture and Catholic culture in particular, has always just supported that, right? Like you grow up, you get married, you have babies, you send them to Catholic school, they grow up, get married, get babies, right? Like you just like the cycle repeats itself, right? But that's actually not true anymore. That's not true. That's not um, how it works so much. Uh, that being said, um, right, you know, I hope that if someone went through RCI, they would have someone helping them and mentoring them along that path. I think there's there's two pieces to the puzzle. One, that the sacraments really are meant to be the thing that's helps sustain you on your journey of discipleship. So like, you know, 
daily mass is great. <laughs> uh, Sunday mass really is the time when you are fed to go out, right? That's a that's a little bit of a, another difference too, right? The the Sunday mass experience is not about me, but it's about um, gathering the community together to be fed to go and be the presence of Christ in in the world in the daily life. So it's a little bit of a, a switch, but again. 100% Sunday should not be the only thing we should do. Um, I think sometimes we have to continue to um, choose that ourselves, like to keep pushing. So maybe if your um, parish only has like the ladies, old ladies praying the rosary and like a Bible study that's been running for 40 years, like <laughs> um, maybe you have to find somewhere else uh, or maybe there's a nearby parish if you're lucky enough to have a parish nearby that you can opt into um, in that it's also on us in some ways to um, build that together, right? I think um, one thing that's, again, a little bit different for Catholics is even when you have paid staff, um, it's not the staff necessarily that are driving all the work in the parish. Like they might be running a program, they might be running the children's ministry, et cetera, et cetera. But if like, it's probably a volunteer running the food pantry, it's probably a volunteer, you know, doing the um, decorations in the church, all that stuff. Like we, we tend to pay for less and rely on volunteers yeah, yeah. more. Um, so, uh, right. It's just a different model. It's like neither yeah, is yeah, worse or yeah. better. Uh, sometimes I think when I was on a parish staff, I was like, could I just pay someone to do this? You know, um, but, but um, so that's part of it is that like we as lay people have to be willing to take on leadership and recognize that um, our journey of discipleship and our call to evangelize other people is, is not dependent paid staff member, but actually is our primary vocation, right? Like yeah. it is our vocation to share our faith with the world. If we depended on all of the priests and all the staff, like no, things just wouldn't happen because one right evangelization relationship with the Lord is built in one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's built through telling stories. It's built through our own faith practices in our everyday life. Um, so absolutely every parish should have discipleship pathways, right? We should all have things where we can encounter the Lord more deeply, but also as an individual, it's in in many ways on me to continue to grow, to bring those practices into my everyday life. You know, don't give up your Bible reading that you did and your devotions. Don't give up all of those beautiful things that you found in an evangelical or Protestant church that brought you closer to Jesus, right? Like that has been your path that God has brought you on. Um, you know, Obviously, like there's differences in interpretation. There's differences of ways that we do things. But like, I don't think I would ever say that. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you didn't actually know Jesus in your evangelical church. Like, you wouldn't be here if you didn't know Jesus, right? So, like, all of those things are still really good. Um, and, um, but also, right, if you are at a parish where 
perhaps your needs are not being met, it is okay to look for a place where they're going to be met. Um, And again, maybe that means like you're still going to Sunday mass at your parish, but you find another parish that has great programming and that you can be a part of. Um, But like one thing I would certainly say is like, let's not be dependent on others to tell us what our next steps are. Like continue to follow the Lord, continue to discern and like seek out the ways that he's calling you. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. And I like the distinction you make, and this is I think so important to recognize in, in what the mass is for versus a Sunday morning service at an evangelical church or a Protestant church in general Right, it's a different. It serves a different purpose, right? There's mm-hmm. the, the Sunday morning in a Protestant church is a is a teaching moment, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. there's a worship component. There are songs mm-hmm. that we sing traditionally, but and then a, a pastoral teaching for up to an hour, like a, a sermon that's meant to in, instruct. Then you kind of go and live that out. The mass is a is a whole different animal, mm-hmm. right? Which is why, as I said a couple of weeks ago on the show, that. We, we, kids are, are not excused and gone to Sunday school and gone mm-hmm. the whole time because they're meant to be in the Mass for, for a reason because the Mass mm-hmm. is different than just a teaching time. It's, 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 it's worship. It is a worship mm-hmm. uh, event, right? And so th- that, like, you know, that, is, that is, I guess, what the parish revolves around, the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the difference might be, in, in, in general terms, the evangelical church revolves around we are a body of Christ trying to grow in Christ to be more like mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a difference there. I mean, uh, uh, certainly the Mass is making us more like Christ. That's, that's, whole, that's, yeah, a, that's a purpose, <laughs> right? But, it's, but it's, it's a different centering, I think, in the purpose of these, of these two things, which is why maybe the, the evangelical church has more, more programs throughout the week mm-hmm. happening by default because all those things are meant to build up that body kind of in concert where in the Catholic Church the mass is that center mm-hmm. right is, is more of a, a different a different emphasis and those other things are 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 important and, and can encourage us like a Bible study or a small group these mm-hmm. things but but not the not not the center there's a different mm-hmm. a different center there I wonder too because this is the other question that I think you might have approaching this because the the priest up there looks different they're they're dressed different their life mm-hmm. is ordered differently they have a you know a celibate life ordered differently than a pastor of a Protestant church would mm-hmm. have for, for the most part although I have met this change this okay this always can I be a bit spicy for a minute here yes. this always Paul is quite clear in the New Testament, that you ought to, it's better not to be married if you're in a pastoral Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that. And, and I think that's, it, it's funny that they're, like, we can just ignore that in the evangelical world. Yeah. That, that's fine. We, that yeah. part of the Bible, you know, we're, we're so also to it's not, hard. Not, not, yeah. as, not, not, not as important. But the, the Bible is quite clear on that point, right? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the different, that little side there, spicy aside for listeners, they love that kind of thing. Do they? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll find out. We love you, listeners. <laughs> Thank you. They're ordered, they look different. They're ordered differently. Their life is ordered differently than a Protestant mm-hmm. pastor with a family and, and kids and whatnot. So I think expectations are different in a parish for for the clergy than they would be in evangelical church for the pastoral yes. staff, mm-hmm. right? And I've seen, two, I've seen different tendencies. I've seen one tendency to make the pastor do all of it. Right? Yes. Oh, oh no, I can't do it. He's he's doing it. He's got to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need my help. It doesn't want my help. He's got it covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the or the the other response is 
is, oh, nothing can happen because the pastor's too busy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's a strange thing that happens there, right? We don't think either of those responses necessarily are, are the right ones or make mm-hmm. sense. But then it, the parishes, I think, get stuck because everyone thinks the pastor's got it or can't get it. There's not enough time. So no one just does mm-hmm. anything and, and nothing changes. So you get into that parish. I, you know, I, I've been there. The first parish that we were we were at that I was confirmed in with, with the lovely VHS tapes, right? It was a priest who was 75 who had been there mm-hmm. for, for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the bishop was thinking in that case. <laughs> He'd been there for a long, long time. And the programs that he began just kept on going and nothing new was added because mm-hmm. he, he, was, he was getting old mm-hmm. and couldn't do it. And I guess nobody else thought they could take those things on or were, mm-hmm. or were allowed to. So you, you join a parish like that and go, okay, this parish is stuck like 25 years ago. We're, mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. I guess my question is, what is the role for the clergy versus the laity, the people who mm-hmm. are not ordained or, uh, uh, to do these things, yeah. who, have, who have families and commitments and, and jobs and these kind of things versus Absolutely. that? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one thing that's important, and like this this model too is something that's like very much changing in the Western church right now, because we've realized that like, you know, there were the great times when we had six or seven priests at a parish and they could do a million things like, right. Like they can do all the pastoral ministry because there's enough of them, but that has changed because right. Our our numbers of priests are declining and there's many other pieces to that. Um, But I think there's a, there's an important distinction that if you're coming from an evangelical or Protestant background, that's important to remember is that like the priest is first and foremost, the sacramental minister. So their role that no one else can fill is that they can celebrate the sacraments. Um, and so they can say the mass, they can hear confessions, um, baptize, marry people, all those sorts of stuff. So I can't do that. I mean, there's a couple instances in which I could like baptize someone in emergency as a lay person, but like, hopefully we don't have to go there. Right. Um, uh, and we need the priest to be able to do that. And so parishes in some sense need to be set up so that the priest can do that first and foremost. Um, and they're, their role as pastor stems from that, right? It's, it's to care for the spiritual well-being of, of the people, first and foremost, through the sacraments. And secondly, as teachers of the faith, um, as, as, um, they're, they're sort of like the primary evangelizer, right? Um, but they're not the only evangelizer. Um, and so uh, they, are, they are there. And any, any pastoral step that you see, whether um, deacons, uh, associate pastors, um, paid lay staff, share in the office of, of the pastor. So they, they share in his ministry by his delegation. So if I'm running the RCIA process, let's say, like I am doing that in the name of the pastor and in line with his authority. Um, so along with that, because they are celibate, right? The reason that priests are celibate, and that is a, a choice that was made in around the year 1100. Um, so before that priests were married um, for 1100 years of the church's history. Um, the choice for celibacy was in order to devote them fully to that ministry, especially that sacramental ministry. I'll give you a huge example of how it's different. Um, you know, of course, as Catholics, we believe in um, the anointing of the sick. So this anointing through oil that 
we believe not only brings spiritual healing, but sometimes it's physically healing. It's carrying on that healing ministry of Jesus that we see in scripture. You know, everyone went wonders where did Jesus's healing ministry go? Well, for Catholics into the anointing of the sick, right? Like that's where, right in there, it's that sacrament. Um, and so first and foremost is a, a spiritual healing, but there are stories of people who have been physically healed. Um, so a priest as a sacramental minister, um, and only priests and bishops can um, give the anointing of the sick to someone. Like they have to go when someone needs it. And it's only for serious illness, right? Like somebody is very seriously sick, maybe not necessarily dying, but like really has a, an illness that they need deep healing from. So like, let's say someone gets in a car accident at three in the morning and they get called to the hospital. They have to go immediately. Um, as a married woman, <laughs> If my husband <laughs> were getting calls at three in the morning, right? Think about like doctors, right? Who I just have to go, right? Like that is so draining to them. It's so draining to a family. And it is hard, as St. Paul says, when you are worried about the affairs of your home to be worried about the affairs of the Lord. And I know that firsthand. I've done it in a parish. It is so hard. It's hard to give enough time to my children. It's hard to like really and truly live out my vocation to ministry and parenthood and all of those things. Um, and it's caused like contention in my marriage at times because of like those polls. So, so that's a, a huge difference is that um, a priest and a particular pastor is there at the service of the people. Their whole life is given in service to the people and everything else um, is secondary to that. So, uh, so I think that's another thing that probably is, is hard when you're coming from a teaching pastor model for, um, in a Protestant church where the primary ministry is on the ministry of the word to then go to an idea of sacramental ministry, right? And that the word is part of that, but it is, um, right. Word and sacrament always go together. They're not separate from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a great way of of framing that. So, what happens if okay, you're starting off in a parish and it really feels like it's 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 stuck, it's stagnant, mm -hmm. it's it's not going anywhere. You you said you know sure yes you can find things elsewhere. That maybe, that, maybe that's the answer altogether. Maybe that's the final answer. It it could be, but but is there a place for the the lay Catholic in the pew? to, I don't know, push back a little bit, ask questions, probe a bit, see, can I, can I do something? Can I start something? Can I, can I offer criticisms here of, <laughs> of, cause that feels very, you know, that, that okay is a very Protestant model, right? Literally mm -hmm. the foundation of the Protestant church was protesting the Catholic church <laughs> and, and, and breaking up, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's in the nature of the, the Protestant church to kind of push back. And it's in the nature of, it's kind of the, the mentality of the, evangelical Christian on the street to, if I don't like the teaching at this church or something at this mm -hmm. I can just go down the street to a different church that agrees with me. Not mm -hmm. the same as far as the, the teaching of the church goes, mm -hmm. but what about pushing back a bit on things happening I in the parish? Is there a place mm -hmm. for, is there a place for that if you feel like you're, I don't know, parish? I, I don't know. I <laughs> so I would absolutely say yes. Um, right. And I, I think part of that is, like the parish, the pastor, um, I think one thing that's a little bit different is that like 
it does kind of depend if the pastor wants to give you the time of day or not, right? Like he is ultimately in charge um, and, and sort of, you know, um, for lack of a better phrase, like the benevolent dictator, right? Um, and I don't mean that like priests are, are wonderful for <laughs> 99.999% of priests don't act in that way. Right. Um, so absolutely. And I think like many priests and pastoral staff often are open to lay initiative, right. That you're like, I want to start X and they're like, okay, let's see how we can help you. You do have some who are like, well, we've never done it that way before. Like you're always going to get that. And honestly, you're going to get that in any church, whatever denomination you are. There's always those churches where like, we've always done it this way. Right. Um, so that that's, that's certainly something you meet. I also think something that, um, like is it again a sort of worldview shift is like I don't think that I have to live out my spiritual life through the parish and and again you sh- you should you should be connected to the parish right but like if I want to start a Bible study with my friends I just yeah, do it yeah. like that's fine um, and right there are many beautiful resources out there that already exist, right? We have catechisms. We have like all these, all those things that you found online that are like giving you the teaching of the church. Right. Um, And I think that like you can, if you're doing something like that, let's say like you can go to your pastor or pastoral staff to help you find the right things. If they don't offer something, you want to do it on your own initiative. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to be like, oh, like, I can't help you figure out what Bible study you should use. I'm sorry. Like, that's not. <laughs> um, so there's that as well. Um, and and also, right, like, oftentimes they, uh, your diocese might have, which is, you know, the bishop and the overarching um, organization that unites all of the churches in a geographical area. Uh, they might have things that are, that are diocesan. Um, for example, when I lived in that rural uh, church, like we couldn't do youth ministry retreats because we had like six kids who were in high school. It's like they all go to high school together. They don't want to like <laughs> go on a retreat. Like let's do the retreat and be like doing the same thing, right? But we could go to the diocese and do it together. And they, you know, like that. That's the role of the diocese is to help provide some of those things that we can't do by ourselves. Um, that the bishop is part of that. So there are always ways that we can both take our own initiative, be supported further up the chain. I mean, like that's the beauty of like having a a global church and also that like, it is okay to push back, you know, the church, um, while it may seem like it's afraid of change, actually the church has been changing and has always changed since the time of Christ. Um, you know, we're kind of seeing that now, this time of renewal of saying like, oh, like actually our culture has changed so much. People aren't coming to church. What's yeah. happening, right? Um, and and that's the beauty of the gospel too, right? It's always fresh and it's always new. And so, you know, I encourage you to look at saints like St. Teresa of Avila or St. Catherine of Siena, who literally told the Pope, like, <laughs> here's here's the deal, right? Like, um, and women, of course, who did not have any say in their own historical time. Um, you know, you have people like St. Francis of Assisi, St. Dominic, who really reformed the church by, by creating um, religious orders. 
you have the um, desert fathers who went out into the wilderness. Like the church has a history of renewal and there are many examples both here on earth and in heaven that we can find to, to give us inspiration and to say like, actually our parishes can be beautiful. Um, And maybe it's you that's needed (laughs) to get that spark going, you know, like don't be afraid of the spirit. Don't squash the spirit within you. Um, And don't give up when you're met with resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you walked right into my, my last, I think question for you, which is fantastic because (laughs) this, and this mirrors my own experience. A lot, a lot of questions and and my thoughts on these things, of course, come from experience. I don't know where else they can come from, from mine and, and listeners to the show, emails that I get, letters that I get. But one of the things that I experienced when I became Catholic, this the same lovely, this sleepy parish, but wonderful, well-meaning staff, I I came back after I was received into the church. That you know, after Easter, I kept coming back, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would, and then for a while there, I went to daily mass. I had a lovely schedule before we had kids. It was it was wonderful. Where I'd mm-hmm. go to mass in the morning, go to the gym after mass, and go to yeah. work. And it was I was fit spiritually, I physically. It just gone yeah. downhill from there. <laughs> children do but, that. <laughs> but way back, way back when. I and and one day the pastor stopped me and said, "This seventy-five-year-old, I think seventy-eight at this point, then stopped me and said, you know, I'm happy to see you every day because no one comes back.' Mm. They 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 become Catholic to get married because mm-hmm. their mom wanted them to, because their uncle mm. was whatever wanted them to. But you come back, and I'm so happy to see you. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, "Oh, thank you, Father." And then I left and like cried in my car for a bit because mm-hmm. I thought, like, what an what an awful mentality that. It's odd. It's, it's the odd, you know, the, the outlier, yeah. the guy that comes back and keeps coming to Mass after mm-hmm. becoming Catholic. Like, that was the weird thing. And I thought, mm-hmm. something is wrong in this system if that is the, that's the outlier. And I think now, the, the, I guess the question on the flip side of it is, how do we as Catholics in the parishes, mm-hmm. in the pews, plugged in who, who love Jesus in the sacraments, who, who, love, who love our church, who love our parishes, how do we draw others in mm-hmm. and, and keep them in? I know for us, like my mm-hmm. wife and I are kind of laser focused and she particularly is laser focused on new families in our parish. And we we'll go, oh, she, they're new. We got to talk to them. Go, go yes. meet them. Like introduce ourselves. You know, oh, hey, hey, we have three kids. We you know, nice to meet you. I love you. <laughs> right? So I think that's one of the, one of the ways, being creepy and stalkerish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but how, do we, how do we as a lady who are, who are formed and love that parish draw others in and help others to become disciples, to meet their mm-hmm. needs, to love the, the mass and the sacraments mm-hmm. and the parish like we do. What, what's, what do we do to revive these, these parishes that we're, we're a part of? Um, so That's I think a there's question. a, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, again, question. literally what I think about all day, every day. Um, <laughs> we just had a big meeting about like, how do we do this institutionally? Um, and, um, I think there's there's a couple of things. Um, first, right, like there are systems and institutional changes that need to happen that I think many of us who work in the church are trying to do, um, but like that people can support in their own parishes. So like, um, you know, if you see those things that are happening to like help a pastor change the culture of a parish and like like receive those with joy and excitement because most of the time what you get is like, why are you changing everything? Right. Like they get resistance (laughs) and that's all they hear, even though probably most people welcome, you know, change and things like that. But I think 
to to more deeply answer your question, right? Uh, when you were speaking, like what I kept thinking of was what Pope Francis calls like he wants us all to have a missionary impulse. This is from the Joy of the Gospel. Um, Evangelii Gaudium, if you want to read it, it's on the Vatican website. Just type in Joy of the Gospel, Pope Francis. That like our impulse is not to keep our faith to ourselves, but to go out and share it with others, like you and your wife, right? To go like there's a new family. Let's go welcome them, right? And that like through our individual choices and through again that systemic work that we can do in our parishes, like whatever ministries we're involved in, whatever things we're involved in, like that we can shift our culture and in our parishes to where we are talking about having a culture that's focused on radical hospitality, on evangelization, on um being, as Pope Francis says, a field hospital for mercy, right? Like it's going to look messy. It's going to look hard. But that like if I say I'm running uh, the rosary group, let's say, right? Like um, do I show up and just like get my four ladies that I always say the rosary with and we start reciting and we say all these fancy prayers and like whoever shows up like better know how to pray the rosary our way. And like, like, is it bad to pray the rosary? Absolutely not. Is it bad for four of us to get together and do it like in a way that is comfortable with us? Absolutely not. But like, what's the way that I can transform that to be, to have that missionary impulse? How can I be more welcoming? Right. If we have a new person, like, can I teach them how to pray the rosary? Um, if I, right. If I hear about, and I'm stealing this from our director of evangelization, because she always, <laughs> this is her example. Uh, so I, I just wanted to credit her. Beth is our director of evangelization. Um, right, if, um, if I, right, if we have this rosary group, like, are we going out not only like, are we literally going out of the parish? Like, are we going to teach people about the rosary? Are we going to pray with a family at a bedside when they need it? Right. Like to to not stop doing the things that we're doing that we love, but to turn them outward towards the people that Jesus loves. You know, I love to say, right, God's missionary activity, God's saving activity is aimed at individual people, right? It's not just like the, right? Like we think about like God saves everyone. Like, yes, he does. But because he loves individual people and it's aimed at individual people. So we need to be, um, and we need to be uh, mirroring that. We need to be mimicking that. So whatever it is that we do, whatever it is we love about being Catholic, how can we take our missionary impulse and bring that to other people? And it doesn't mean like going out and proselytizing them and preaching at them, but rather like what are the things that sustain us in our discipleship and how can we bring them to love others? Um, so that like, Maybe they don't like the rosary or don't know how to pray it, but they would appreciate me praying it with their sick child, right? Um, maybe uh, they are not devoted to a particular saint, but I can tell my story, my witness of how that saint inspires me. And, it, and it's not about the saint. It's about how God is working in my life, right? That we share our stories and we share our own relationship with Jesus Christ, because it's only when we share our stories and use our own love for others 
to show them who God is, that people can learn who God is and want to come to know and love him themselves. <laughs> That's excellent. That's great. <laughs> I can think of two examples for me. One was a, a small men's group that met yes. around, around and, and it's funny because I first encountered this, this cool men's group as a very new Catholic, I very, very new Catholic, and someone said, hey, this is a meets at this church downtown, check, check them out. And I got there, and I walked into the church, and there were like a dozen men on their knees praying the rosary, men of all kinds of ages and stages and ethnicities. And I thought, wow, like, I want to be part of this. This is this is amazing. Yeah. And that was an awesome experience. And, and, and it wasn't that... Uh, Honestly, that really transformed my even understanding of the Rosary and of the Blessed Virgin Mary as a new Catholic. Seeing this, see, seeing that was just so instructive for me. And that group welcomed me, and it was fantastic. A, a similar group, <laughs> I showed up one day. I, I think I was allowed to be there. I, 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 it was advertised. I got there, and it was like, oh, who's this new guy? Like, what's he... Where does he fit in here? There wasn't, you know, there wasn't, a, literally, wasn't a chair for me. It was like I didn't know kind of the routines of this group, how to like when they prayed certain prayers and and how they, right? And then they 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 ordered a meal at one point, and it was like, well, I was like, well, do I who do I pay or like do I can I yeah. have some fish and chips yeah. too? It was like it was just super awkward, and 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 those two contrasting situations for me has been so instructive in how mm-hmm. how to do and how not to do kind of. Parish. Yes. Like, and you say, right? You, you don't want to be with you and those three ladies meeting at the rosary. Rose, you're a certain particular way in your little closed, <laughs> closed knit group. Because who's that for? That's that's for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you want to. I love this missionary missionary impulse. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just to add to that, like we never know what. Oh, that interaction is going to bring yeah. because as, especially as a former RCA director, right? Like I cannot tell you the amount of stories that like, it was that one person yeah. that, that was the final, like, I hate saying nail in the coffin, but like for lack of a better word, like the, or like that, fi- the, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Um, like that final thing that like finally encouraged a person to, to come um, or, or something as simple as like, I often was the only person who called them back. Like, yeah. that's not hard. No, like, <laughs> people just want to be loved. And like, all we have to do is just like, be there. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. I feel you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I, I know you guys, the family made a, made a big move recently and we did too. I mean, I, I, yes. I quit a job of 15 years to cut, we sold our house. We, it was, it was a crazy move for us. And one of the kind of the final or, or beautiful things that put that nail in the coffin <laughs> as you we were, was we found a parish and on the first Sunday we were there, we were asked to come to brunch at a family's house oh, wow. and met like three or four other families that are part of that parish and oh just, and, and welcomed in, in just a way we could not have imagined yeah. <laughs> like quite literally. And it made a simple thing for the person having you over to brunch. It's one more family they've added to the mm-hmm. group of people. It's made not a big deal for, for that family, but the, that, that act and the impact of that act to a, a new family joining that parish kind of going, do we fit here? We're in a new town. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have really have a, a permanent mm-hmm. job. I'm. That was for us amazing. It, it, it felt miraculous yeah. to us, really, uh, of God saying, "Yeah, I got your back. Here's these guys. Yeah. They'll help you out." Love and, and I think of that as a as a parish situation that that's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I think how the parish 
should probably yeah. work at its, at its most beautiful and, Absolutely. and best. And, right? it, and it wasn't a, a something that the staff did, right? Yeah. It was just the culture of yeah. those people, that parish, to say, like, we're so glad you're here. Like, welcome. This is our community. This is the body of Christ gathered together. And, like, how can we be the body of Christ together in every moment of our lives? Like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to tell us about the about i mean i, I, I don't know a sneak peek what, what's next what's next for the parish in, <laughs> in, the, in the 21st century is there anything else that we didn't cover that you're like this has got to be said before I, I let you go yeah no, no. i mean like it's I, gonna I, it's not gonna appeal to like <laughs> your your seeker <laughs> like that's a that's a as I like to say, there are some things I lived in Italy for a while. Like there are some things that are Cosa Nostra. Like it's it's in the family and we only talk about it in the family and we don't talk about it. <laughs> so enough. let's keep it keep it in the family. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well then on that note, I want to thank you for, for being thank here. You. And part of the mafia apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you got a great podcast. You have a fantastic Thank book. I, I love it. Whenever I happen to cross it again, for whatever reason, I'm always a joy to, to encounter the stuff you guys put in that book. Thanks. It's wonderful. Uh, anything else you want to point listeners towards that they might be interested in that? So if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at Team Quarter Black. Uh, I also just recently wrote for um, Ave Maria Press, published a women's Bible called the Living Word Bible, which is on sale now. Um, and I published a, a couple articles in there along with many other amazing women uh, who just wrote about uh, the church's teaching. We wrote about um, like women in the Bible, different sacraments, all sorts of stuff. Um, it really is like a devotional Bible. So like for our Protestant friends, that's going to feel very familiar, right? Like uh, we know what a women's Bible oh, yeah. is. Uh, uh, so we like, and this is one of the very first in, in Catholic publishing yeah. spaces. So if you're looking for something like that to kind of like say like, okay, like, well, what does a Bible devotional look like for a Catholic? Uh, I would point you to that. It's Ave Maria Press Living Word Bible. You could check that out too. Are there flowers on the cover? There are no. Okay, oh, so you guys, you haven't quite. It's got a little more been. modern, uh, but it's purple and gold and, okay. and green, I believe, and sort of like a watercolor. Okay. It's, oh, well, it is okay. very feminine, but not the flowers. I'm skeptical. <laughs> I don't know. The Catholic, it is Catholic. The right? church is so catching like, up, but not we're all getting the way there. there. Yeah, but <laughs> we're maybe not ready. I mean, like, there's usually flowers on a Mary book if you want to see like women flowers. So grab a Mary book. <laughs> In ten, in 10 years, we'll have caught up to what I the process we're doing exactly. 10 years ago. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure, really. I don't know where the time went in this conversation. Mm, I, I, it's always a thrill to me to have you on the show. So thank you for being here. Uh, God bless you, your family, and the work thank you're doing for the church, honestly. And, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It is always a treat to have Shannon on the show. I was looking back in our back archives. This is like ages ago we chatted. It was only in Jan uh, June of 2022 that we, we talked not that long ago, I guess, as it as it turns out, but far too long to have, have, have gone by because she is an absolute treat to talk to. What a great person. What great perspectives, great attitude. It's always a fun time to have her on the show. So looking for a nice excuse to, to have her back. 
Hopefully you enjoyed that. Let me know if you did or didn't or what you think of this show and these kinds of conversations. CordialCatholic at gmail.com is our email address. And I get lots of questions about this kind of thing. So please keep them coming. I read them all and get back to them as soon as I possibly can. Uh, it takes some time sometimes, but I'll write back to all the emails that I do get. And so thank you for your correspondence. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Cordial Catholic. We're on Facebook at The Cordial Catholic. And our website is www.thecordialcatholic.com. If you find this show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please leave a rating or a review. That helps to push the podcast out to new people. And we're on YouTube as well at youtube.com slash thecordialcatholic to watch what you are seeing. And please subscribe to that channel as well. Find, follow the show, leave some comments, guys. Interact. It helps to keep the thing going and, and growing. If you want to help financially support this show, those links are in the show notes. Guys, it's not my full-time job, so your support for the show uh, makes it possible to do this night after night, long night after long, long night, to find the time and the finances to, to afford this thing. So thank you, and thank you for those who are already supporting the show faithfully. Guys, pray for me. I'm praying for you too. Talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, and of course, God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.